Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. He made mud. How many of you have played with mud in your life? All of us, when you were young, come on, we, I mean, you fingers and you, I mean, it was fun building mud bricks and mud stuff. And, but um, you don't play with mud when you're 55 or 43 or maybe Layla do, she played mud with mud every weekend. <laughs> every weekend. That's a good mother who plays that. Let me start out with a story. I read a story this week about a young boy who ran an errand for his mother. And he just had to buy a dozen of eggs at the, at the shop. So he was walking out to the store, got the eggs, and as he was walking out with a little bag and eggs, he tripped and fall on the eggs. All the eggs gone. And the people who were around the boy was like, oh, showing him pity. And it's like, oh, I'm so sorry, are you okay? And the boy is like the one tear running down his face. And, and a few people gathered and people wanted to help him and, Oh, they said, I'm ashamed, so sorry. And one man stepped up and he said, and he handed the boy a 10 rand. And he said, you know what? I cared 10 rands worth. And he looked at the other people and said, how much do the rest of you care? <laughs> and I read the story and it's like, oh my goodness. How many times in my life did I say, oh, I care, oh, I'm so sorry, but how much do I really care? How much do I really care? You see, the story is a heartwarming story of a boy who served his mother. I mean, he got a bit of a, a, a fall and he broke the eggs and everybody had pity on him. But one man's response, one man's response changed the whole story and he challenged everybody around the boy. He challenged all of them. And that touched my heart because our lives are defined by the responses we have every day. Whenever you are happy, whenever you are times where you are sad, whenever you may be stressful, maybe you are in uncertain times, your response on life will determine your life. But it all comes down to how do I respond to life? All of it. There's a beautiful scripture in James 2 verse 14 and verse 17. It says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? You see? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Brilliant scripture. James just come, comes down to the basis of faith here. Let me just tell you straight up. This is what faith is. And there's a lot of faith that faith is, but he says without this one little point, faith is nothing. It's useless. You see, looking at the scripture... It made me realize how much church and how much we as believers have changed our viewpoints on faith over the years. How's our viewpoint on faith? I've got faith. Come on, I've got faith. How much faith do you have? See, we pray, we trust God, we, we have good intentions, our hearts really care. We really do. But what does it say about our faith as believers? You see, Hebrews 11 verse 6 says, it's impossible to please God without faith. You see, faith is a substance. And that's what Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, faith is a substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. It is a substance. It means that faith consists of something. It consists of something. It is not just believing, but it is doing also. Yep. It's doing something. 
You see, Jesus knew that, and he had to change our perspective on how we look at faith. Because we were doing according to the law, the people in the Bible, even today. We're doing according to religious law, but we miss the, the place where we say, man, it's all about his grace that empowers us. It is. So I pray today that this message and maybe how we mold this in our lives will maybe change a little bit of your viewpoint and your perspective when you stand in faith for something. Because all of us stand in faith for something at this moment. If it's just faith to get on the couch this afternoon with the kids sleeping, that is super faith on parents. Maybe it's just faith to get that, that chicken well done, you know, this morning. But we stand in faith for something. Now, I want to read a story, and I want to go into a story, and, and, and this might evolve in, an, in the next week or two, but it's a story that gripped my heart. I was sitting at Worship Week on Monday, and, and I was sitting there with my Bible, and I just started reading, and this story shot through my heart, and God started speaking to me instead of, and I can everything, and I just, I thought, we need to speak about this. We need to speak about this, and I'm going to read it. It's from John 9, verse 1 to 11. Now, let's read it together. It says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? So they pointed him out to Jesus. Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in this world, I am the light of the world. Now, Before I go on, you see the reaction of Jesus is probably one of the most misinterpreted scriptures on healing. The mo one of the most misinterpreted, like, it says this happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. And so many people will go and say, yeah, see, God make people sick so that he can heal them and be glorified. Have you ever heard that? Man, I had that so many times and I had so many conversations about this that people believed that God made me sick to teach me something. But we know that it's not true because if you read your Bible, you see that <laughs> the truth is that God has paid everything for our sins. Jesus died on a cross. He carried all sickness, all pain, so that we can be free. God gives life and not death. John 10, 10. Enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life in abundance. Whenever you're in life, that doesn't mean that God gives sickness. So if you go and read your Bible, you know it's not a truth. Jesus was saying here that they were looking from the wrong perspective. You see, if you read it right, you see that, listen, whoa, you're looking from the wrong perspective. You're looking from, so, so there's two perspectives that we can see in the story. Firstly, we see the perspective of the disciples. They were looking from a place of the law. And it says that, what is the reason this man is sick? Why? You see, the disciples were looking at the why. They were looking at the why. Why was this man born blind? And what is the reason so that I can't do that? I don't want to be punished. I want to do the right stuff. So why, why, why? Different perspective. But then Jesus came and he looked from a place of how. And he said, no, no, you're missing it. The question is, how can this be an opportunity for faith to be activated? 
That's what Jesus said. It's like, no, no, you're looking at it wrong. How can I do something that can change all of our lives? All of our lives. How can I do something that the light will shine in the darkness? How? See, two different perspectives. Here Jesus is saying, saying, listen, you remember, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. I shine in the darkness. But you know what? A little bit further in the Gospels in Matthew 12 or Matthew 5, I think, Jesus, again, he changed the picture. He said, I, he said, I am the light of the world. And then suddenly he shifted and said, now you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. Jesus said, I'm preparing while I am here, while I'm here, and there is darkness, my light will shine. But I am preparing you and activating you and teaching you how to walk in faith so, so that I'm, when I'm not here, that you will need to be walking in faith. Your light will need to shine in this world. You see, Jesus was preparing his disciples to shine. To shine. You see, he is preparing you and me every day when we read the word, when we grow in our spiritual relationship. He's preparing us to shine. For our light to shine in lives, in situations, in dark places. So look how Jesus responded. He activated their faith. And what did he do? He made mud. So let's read on. Verse 6 to 11. He says, Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, Isn't this man the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, um, some said he was, and others said, No, he just looks like him. Can I just, just pause there? When you go from, a dark, from darkness to light, yeah, yeah, yeah. you look different. Yeah. When you go from unsaved to saved, you look different. It's amazing. People didn't recognize him because he will step from a place of darkness to light. Look, look further. He says, they ask, who healed you? What happened to you? He told them, and I love this. Man, this thing, this, this scripture hit my heart so hard. He says, this man they call Jesus made mud. <laughs> he made mud. And he spread it over my eyes and he told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So he went, he washed, and now he can see, and we're going to speak about that later on. He went, he washed, and he can see. Man, isn't that powerful? Isn't the word so richly full of things that we can just, man, just grab hold on this? Jesus made mud. Now before I go on, let me just back up for a moment. Just before we go into that. If you look at, this is John chapter 9. If you go to the, the previous chapter, John chapter 8, the chapter ends with an angry mob trying to kill Jesus. He was in the temple. He made some statements. The people were so mad, they picked up stones to stone him. So Jesus, just by the power of God, just walked out. So we pick it up, verse 1, John 9, where Jesus walked out of the temple with the mob trying to kill him. And they walked past the blind man and the disciples showed him. So listen, I mean, these people want to kill me. I'm walking out. I'm just, I just want to hide. I just want to get out of this situation. My time to die is not today. Okay. I want to get out of here. But still, 
he stop. He stops to do this miracle. Why? See, this shows us that this very moment was an intentional moment for Jesus to say, I want you to see something. This is so important. I don't care about these people. I know I'm going to die, but today is not my day. But I need you to show some. I need to show you something. Not only the disciples, but for us today who read this. This is an intentional, significant story in the Gospels. So what did Jesus do? He went, I can't do it worse, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> That's what he did. He took spit and he made mud. I was like, Whoo, now can I just be the first to say this? I mean, that's gross. That is ridiculous. He had the man of God who's holy. He says, So let's ask the obvious question. Do you know what's the obvious question? Why did you do that? Come on. Why did Jesus do this weird, interesting thing to heal this man from his blindness? Come on, we're talking about Jesus here. We're talking about the man who with one word cast out demons. We're talking about a man who said, Lazarus, come out. And a dead man came walking out of a grave. We're talking about a man who stood in a boat and the waves and the wind were crashing and he said, silent. Still. We're talking about that man, that God, who can do something with just a word he spoke. Why, Jesus, why? <laughs> why did you spit on the ground? Why did you smear mud on people's faces? Well, I don't know if anyone noticed, but this blind beggar hadn't responded in faith towards Jesus. He did nothing. You see, he just simply begged. And the disciples showed him to Jesus. Jesus probably would walk by. Think about it. You see, he probably never heard about Jesus, this man. He never did. He never probably didn't even know that Jesus was speaking to him at that moment. He didn't. And to answer the question if he was a sinner or his parents were a sinner, they probably were. But Jesus knew that this man needed something. He needed to act in faith to receive his healing. You get it? He needed to show his disciples something about faith. He wanted them to grab something about faith. And he knew that this man didn't know him, didn't recognize him. He just begged. But Jesus said, come here. I want to prove and I want to activate something today because you need to do something to receive something this day. That's why Jesus made clay and anointed this man's eyes. He was giving him something to do to act in faith. But the spit still gets to me. <laughs> it gets to me. But if you go and look at the Roman and the Jewish culture regarding medicine for blindness, it shocked me. We find something interesting. Do you want to know? You see, healers in that time believed that they can use human saliva. And if they rub human saliva on blind eyes, it cures it. If it worked, we don't know. But that's what, what they believed. So Jesus was actually just following a custom. 
For in our perspective, our Sisman. But in his perspective, in that time, they used human saliva. You see, I believe that, that when Jesus spit next to that man, a spark of hope started arising in his heart. And he thought, ah, oh, maybe today. Maybe today I'm, I'm going to see. You see, Jesus needed to do something to shift his focus from, I just want something today, to what can I do to be healed? You see, sometimes we're sitting there like, Lord, I've got faith. Please, Lord, my faith is ready. Point. I've got, I've got my hands is ready, Lord. And the Lord says, no, no. Let me spit in the ground and let's make mud. So that you can do something so that your faith can be activated so that you can see a miracle. I hope someone is starting to hear. Maybe today in his heart, hope started rising. You see, this beggar is no different than any of us today. No different. We also need to respond in faith to see a miracle. You trusting God for a miracle today? Maybe it's big, maybe it's small. But we need to respond in faith and God is looking at our response. And Jesus walked by and he said, I see this beggar, the disciples asked a question. Let me activate something in your life so that you can shine your light in the days to come. See, if this man didn't have faith, he probably would have just wiped off the spit from his eyes and go back begging. Because there was no faith. Now another interesting thing was that Jesus said to him was to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. That was quite interesting. Now why do I say that? What the scripture don't say to you is that the pool of Siloam is 1.2 kilometers away from that point. From that point, 1.2 kilometers. Just think about 1.2 kilometers through the busy streets of Jerusalem. This man had to walk from the gate and go and find that pool and wash in that pool. And you know what the weird thing is? The pool of Bethesda was a few meters away. Just a few meters in the temple courts. They were at the temple gate. Why not Jesus? Just send him to the pool of Bethesda. He's just here. He can, he can just take 10 steps and he's in and he washed, healed, done. See, this man had to walk through the busy streets of Jerusalem, sliding, finding his way, spit dripping from his eyes. I mean, it's just crazy. It took a lot of effort. It was humiliating for him. Walking with mud-filled eyes, spit dripping. I'm over-exaggerating, but yes. Just think about it. And people's like, no man, look far forbid. See, man, what are you doing? Maybe asking people, where's the pool? of Siloam? Please take me to the pool of Siloam. Struggling his way to, the, to that pool to know that on the other end of my obedience is my miracle. See, his miracle was at the pool of Siloam at the end of his obedience. So many times we trust God for our miracle, but we never see it. Ever been there? Come on, I've got both hands and feet up. Lord, I trust you for my miracle. Lord, I'm here. Are you ready? Lord, I trust you for this miracle. I trust you. But the miracle never arrived because we aren't always where the miracle is. He could have stayed there and said, okay, Lord, I'm waiting. Can someone just bring me some water? Let me just wash here. I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable here. 
at the gate. But see, the miracle was at the pool of Siloam. When you go and read 1 Kings 17, you read the story of Elijah. And Elijah was running from Jezebel because he wanted to kill him and he was running and God said to him, go to the brook Sherith. There's a pool that you can drink water from and I will send the ravens to feed you. Remember that? Now, in fact, the Lord didn't send the ravens to where Elijah was. <laughs> he sent the ravens to where Elijah had to go. And when Elijah arrived there, the provision was already there. It was waiting for him. But sometimes we wait at this place and said, Lord, when is my miracle coming? And God says, just, you just need to take this little mud that I'm making and just take the mud and just go to that place. And as you go, you will find your miracle to where my, where my provision is. See, that's what Jesus knew this blind man had to do. He knew he had to activate his faith and go get his miracle. He had to go get his miracle. Not just wait here and sit and just go back to... No, no. There needs to be a response in your life to find the more. Now, I'm not talking about works according to grace. No, this is not just work. Paul said, my, my faith without works is dead. And he's trying to explain how to activate faith in our lives. We can always see something when we act upon the faith in our hearts. Let, let, we can contrast the story with the story of blind Bartimaeus. Remember that story? When the man saw Jesus and he heard, well, he couldn't see, sorry. He heard Jesus were walking by and he started yelling. Let's read it, read it together. It's in Mark 10. It says the following, A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. Different story. He wasn't begging anymore. He was shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people said, be quiet. They even yelled at him. And he said, but he only shouted louder. <laughs> I love that. He only shouted louder. He said, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. Tell him to come here. You see, Jesus didn't anoint Bartimaeus with spit and clay. He didn't. Why? He didn't go and ask him to wash in the pool to do something. Why? Because Bartimaeus had already responded in faith by calling out to Jesus, persisting, said, Lord, I'm here. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to get, Lord, I'm going to get this. I've got faith for this. I'm not just standing and begging and hoping that something drop in my hands. No, no, no. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to walk to that pool. I don't know where I'm going to, how I'm going to get there, but I'm going to go and get my miracle. I'm going to get my miracle. See, it all comes down to the fact that faith has to be activated. It has to be acted on. And the blind man hadn't acted. He didn't do anything. So Jesus gave him something to do. He gave him something and said, let me do something for you today, but it's going to cost you something. To act upon your faith. Now there's two lessons that we can learn. And it's not a long sermon today, but I want to drop something in your hearts today because Jesus is busy making mud in your life. Do you believe that? He's busy making mud. How are you responding? 
There's two lessons that we can learn from this today that we can take. Number one is Jesus wanted not just his disciples to increase their faith, but every one of us. As we read the scriptures, as we grow in our Christian walk with God, he is increasing our faith. He's activating the faith in our lives. Sometimes we feel, Lord, why are you putting all these challenges in my way? Why are you doing this? And God just said, I'm just making mud. I'm just making mud in your life so that you can act upon your faith and see the miracle that I want to do. But all we see is we see the challenge. We see the tough stuff we have to step through. But God is just making mud. Maybe you're sitting in dust. Maybe you're struggling to have faith for your life. Maybe there's some things you have to face in your life at the moment. And it's not easy stuff. Maybe you have to make decisions. Maybe you have to do this. Maybe you're just so discouraged by your circumstances at the moment that it is blinding you from Jesus standing in front of you making mud. But I want to encourage us all today. Can I encourage you? No matter what we face in life, Jesus is standing in front of you and he's busy doing something. He's got you on his heart. He's making mud. He is making mud. He's taking all the dust and the nonsense and the stuff in your life and he's mixing it with his life and he's doing something miraculous. See, our dusty life and his power can be the mud in someone else's life. Do you realize that? I always say, Lord, I'm not perfect. Maybe you're sitting here today and you said, I'm not perfect. I can't speak. I can't do this. But you know what? You've got dust and stuff in your life. And if you mix that with Jesus' life, he can make some mud. And he can take that mud and rub it on people around you. And he can do miracles through your life. He can do something through our lives if we're just willing for him to mix us with his life. See, it, make, it might not make sense in what he is doing at the moment in your life. Maybe you're going through some stuff. It's like, Lord, this doesn't make sense. Why are you doing this? Lord, why do you feel that you're spitting on me? Ever felt that? Why are you not talking to me, Lord? But he's just mixing mud. He's just mixing mud and doing a miracle. Your miracle lies behind your obedience to him. So many of us don't see our miracles because we struggle with the obedience part. You know, like Stephen said this morning, you're crawling off the altar. <laughs> you do. Sometimes we need to stay on that altar and be obedient and say, Lord, here I am. What do you want to do with me? See, all it will take from us is to act on his request and our eyes will be open. Our eyes will be open. I remember so clearly when the twins were born, me and Salome was driving this little Jetta. And it was an awesome car. We loved it. And the twins came, and I realized somebody gave us a twin stroller, this long thing, two kids. And I folded up. I was so excited, and I opened a big Jetta. You know, Jetta's big boots, and I put the stroller in, and it didn't fit. I was like, and now? I said to my wife, what now? Now we can go nowhere. We need a stroller. We've got two kids. I mean, it's been, and, and I was struggling with this thing, and the Lord said, well, go and search a car that you feel will fit your needs. I was like, whew, okay, Lord, um, is this an open invitation? What is this? You know, I like, and God says, no, no, you know already what you want. And, and I realized we were dreaming about a Volkswagen Touran. It's a little, it looks like a little minibus, but it's actually a car. And, 
and the big boot, you can fit that stroller. It's not even, you don't even have to measure. You just, you just slide it in. And I went to the internet and I started searching and close from us, there was a dealership that had one perfectly. Exactly what we wanted. But um, <laughs> there was big impossibilities that went with that. Because <laughs> we couldn't afford it. No, I mean, there's no way we could afford it. We had to feed two kids. And we were in ministry and the things were, I mean, just living by faith. And, and the Lord says, just drive through and go and look at the car. And we went and we looked at the car. And I said to the guy, in faith, you know, you, sometimes you walk into a dealership and say, oh, this looks like a good deal. Um, it looks like it. Can I go for a test drive? Drive it as if it's yours. And then uh, you park it and say, yeah, it's a good deal. Um, but I think you need to make me a, a better price. And, you know, you negotiate. And I said to the guy, Without thinking, I said, why don't you draw up the papers and then call me tomorrow? And we drove back and my wife looked at me and it's like, what did you just do? <laughs> we can't afford this. But you know, in that moment, I knew God was making mud. He was taking the lack that we had. He was mixing it with his life. He just wanted us to act on this. The next day, the guy called me. I was almost dreading. Oh, no, it's the dealership. What am I going to tell them? <laughs> So I called him and the guy said, well, sir, good news. We got a good percentage. Everything looks, the interest rate's great. Um, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's like, what is it going to cost me? <laughs> Monthly. He said, no, no, great, this amount. And I thought, whoa, that's like 2,000 rand more than we're actually paying per month for a car. And I just like, yo. I said, okay, let me tell you. Let me just speak to um, my wife and we'll make a decision by tomorrow. You know, and... Um, we sat and we prayed and said, Father, you know our need. And we will go and get the need. Just tell us, tell us, is this the right thing to do? And God just confirmed it in our hearts. We drove that next day. We, we um, gave our car to them and we drove back with a brand new car. And we thought, woo, this is going to be fun till the end of the month. <laughs> And you know what? Since that day, God started increasing our income. Just one shot. Increased our income by 2,000 rand a month. But see, I had to act on what God is telling me. I had to step out in faith and say, Lord, I'm not just begging and this car is going to drop out of the air. No, no, no. I needed to get in my car, drive there, go and look at the car, negotiate, speak, stand in faith, pray, and then go and get it. You see, but so many of us wait and we wait and we trust, Lord, today might be the day. It's going to come. I don't know when. No, no. God says, go and get it. Go and get it. You have to walk with spit and mud in your eyes through a town and busy streets and, and navigate yourself through the, this tight corner and that till you get to the place where God has His miracle waiting for you. And the second lesson we can take from the story is that the last time God used mud, you remember? Genesis 1. And God take the dust of the earth and He made man. He made man. And, and it struck me and I realized that when Jesus used mud to create eyes, that wasn't there because this man was born blind. He was born without eyes. And God had to do a recreative miracle that He showed His power of the Creator as the Creator of the universe. He's shown His divinity by making something that wasn't there. 
That's the God we serve. Every day of our lives, guess what? We're standing in front of the creator of the universe. We're standing in front of him. Our life is in front of him. Now, if that is your revelational truth in your life, how different will your response to challenges be? That really struck me. It's like I'm standing in front of the God, the creator of the universe. He knows every need. He knows every hair on my head. He knows everything about me. And I stand before him and I still doubt. I still have fear. But he's the creator of the universe. My response in faith misses the mark. How different will you respond to life when you realize that this, I'm standing in front of the creator of the universe. When you pray in the morning, you, you're praying in front of the creator of the universe. When you're driving in your car, when you're working, whenever you do, your life is a life in front of our God, the creator of the universe. How do we respond to challenges? Will it be with fear or insecurity or discouragement, depression or doubt? Or will it be in faith that says, Lord, I will act upon the word that you speak. I will act on the counsel. See, sometimes when God speaks to me, we don't just do stupid stuff. Because God has spoken to me in, in weird ways. But you know what I do? I always go to accountability. I always go to counseling. There's people around you, and that's why we build people around our lives, that when we're in a place of faith, and God says, go and act and do. I go to a friend and say, listen, this is what God's saying. What do you sense? What do you feel? And so many times, every time it is God, they will say, I confirm. There is so much confirmation in the people around you. That's why we need community around our lives. Because community around us build our faith. It activates our faith. And Jesus knew that. That's why he had 12 disciples around him. To activate their faith so that when he go, the day will start growing that discipleship network. See, networking was God's plan from the beginning. You see, Jesus is not just playing with mud. He's directing our lives towards the goal and the calling that he has for you. And sometimes we feel that, Lord, why are you just playing with mud when my life is falling apart? And God says, I'm creating a miracle. I'm activating your faith so that things can change. And so many of us are sitting here today and you're going through stuff. And you're facing things that maybe just you know. And sometimes you feel that, Lord, can you just give me some definition on this life of mine because everything feels a mess. But see, when we play with mud, it is quite of a mess. <laughs> But I want to encourage you this morning that we are standing in front of the creator of the universe. The power of God is in our lives and he's making mud with your life. He's just making mud. Maybe you're in a waiting season in your life and you're just waiting for that breakthrough. Lord, I've been waiting for two weeks. I've been waiting for two months. I've been waiting for 20 years. But Lord, I'm waiting. You know what? He is just busy making mud. He's making mud with that persistent patience in your life. Are you trusting him? Are you trusting him with more? He's about to do something great in your life. Won't you stand with me? I'm going to pray. Father, we thank you this morning.
The day you hung on that cross, Lord, you had every one of us in mind. And no matter what we're stepping through, what we're facing, what we have to do, decide, we have wisdom for, plan for. Father, I thank you this morning that you're just busy making mud in our lives. You're busy creating a miracle that, that is supernatural. Lord, you're busy doing something that we could never thought out. That only you can do, Father. And Father, this morning, I want to I pray your encouragement over every one of us here this morning so that you can activate our faith, that we're not just standing passively and beg before you, but we will stand up and activate our faith and go get that miracle. Go grab what you have for us, Father. And Lord, that you will show us exactly what you've called us to in this moment. Because some of us are standing here today that you are making mud through our lives to be a blessing and a healing in others' lives. You just need more of his life. See, we can't just blow dust around. We need to mix that dust and that ground with his life. As soon as that mud starts forming, God starts doing something miraculous. And Lord, I pray this morning that, Lord, that you activate our faith in this next few weeks. Because your word says, without faith, it is impossible to please you. Lord, we want to please you. We want to have substance to our faith, Father. And Lord, I pray this week that you stir our hope, that there will be a stirring of hope in our hearts that will arise. And that we will not look at the things around us or the impossibilities that arose or, or this or that or why or why, but may we ask, Lord, how? How can we do this, Lord, to do and to bring more of you into my life? Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.